My name is Michelle Cairns, your host for today, and today is the 22nd of February 2022. With us, we have got Hayley Andrews. Hi, Hayley. Hello. Um, so thank you for joining us today. A bit of background about yourself. So Hayley is uh, one of the co-founders of Your Freedom Empire. It's a business and training uh, organization based in the UK, and she's been investing in t- since 2002, adopting many different strategies ranging from 50k buy to lets up to 86 million pound sites. Uh, she is a multiple business owner, a global property mentor, and a a regular property expert on Sky TV. And she has been named one of the UK's most inspirational female entrepreneurs in 2021. So Hayley, tell us a bit about yourself and your background in property. How did you get started? Okay, well, um, I was actually an accidental landlord. Um, So the first property I ever purchased was um, my home. And um, then rather than selling that property, uh, when I moved in with my husband, I put put it onto a buy-to-let mortgage, put a tenant in there, and I was kind of hooked at that that time, really. Um, Story of my life, accidental, everything, accidental, (laughs) agency, management company, estate agency, um, and everything else I kind of fell in. But um, I was hooked at that point. And uh, that was 20 years ago now, um, so it's quite some time. So I've been in the industry uh, quite a long time, seen probably everything I, I, I need to see from the mistakes that I can make and, and everything else that kind of comes with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's, that's how I kind of got started. So I, I grew a, a quite a sizable portfolio the conventional way. I was happy in my job. My husband had a very good job as well. Um, and we, we wasn't creative or anything like that. Um, we were just saving the deposit money up, building another uh, uh, property and kind of uh, built a really decent sized portfolio from there. But we were, um, we were kind of asset rich and cash poor. So we never realized that um, until um, my husband fell really ill and he was a self-employed Oracle developer at the time. Um, so we lost his income overnight um, and we, ho- we almost lost him as well. So at that moment in time, of course, we realized that you know, it was kind of this uh, huge life-changing moment where we realized that we were asset asset rich and and cash poor, really. Um, So we knew property was what we wanted to do. Um, We didn't really know how long um, or what was going on with my husband as well. So we wanted something that would allow us to have time together. Um, I had to cut my hours down quite dramatically. I was still working and self-managing the portfolio we'd already built. Um, and um, we, we then jumped into some education. I went to the US to do uh, training there, came right back to the UK, done every different training um, you could think of. <laughs> I was one of those people. And, um, and then, Seminar junkie, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm one of those people that has to kind of know everything before they do anything type of thing so we got ourselves educated it was really a distraction as well with everything else that was going on and then we moved from standard by to let restructured the portfolio and uh, jumped straight into hmos because cash flow was what we really needed to create we needed to replace my husband's income of course mine as well and um and and that's what we did really and so we took it from there um 
yeah how did you find out about the education side of things because what you've talked about there is your you know your journey from accidental landlord is you know it was very common for how people kind of get into property uh, but some people you know they they become an accidental landlord they get the extra income it's nice but you know they're busy with life and their full-time job and everything so the penny doesn't really drop that this could be an alternative um, to potentially replacing their job or, um, you know, providing a really substantial income on the side. Uh, So, you know, what was it, I suppose, that made you go into it deeper? And, you know, was it just, you know, a a really healthy extra income? You thought, right, I'll have more of this. No, I I mean, like I said, when when we first started out, it was a pension plan of ours so uh, we were I purchased them all in my own personal name so the structure was incorrect although that wasn't as bad as it is in today's kind of uh, rules and regulations but um it it was the idea was originally we were we both enjoyed our jobs so the idea was originally not focusing on cash flow more of just paying the mortgages down over a period of 25 years and then having that in you know an unencumbered portfolio to retire on and have the income off that so um and we were doing that slowly we were you know I'm quite a frugal person I I come from nothing so um I put everything you know I save really well and I put everything straight back in so there was nothing kind of fancy or creative in the beginning at all and we were quite happy doing that until my husband of course got ill, and and that kind of pushed us to say well okay we can see other people making money out of property. We're asset rich, but in a, in, in, a, in a sense, we have no income really coming off yeah. that portfolio or very little income, not any sort of income, right. okay. which, you know, have a positive impact on our day-to-day life. And we wouldn't, we, we couldn't at that point leave our jobs um, and be financially free as, as such. And um, so it was really um, understanding how to leverage um, so we we could see that there were you know lots of different strategies out there. We'd only done a standard buy to let, you know, buying, you know, um, I've always been good at negotiation, so buying below market value, yeah. uh, but not really forcing the appreciation or adding value. Just kind of you know doing a flop and a buff, putting a tenant in there and 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 the tenant servicing that loan. So wow. um, it was really when Paul was ill um, that. Um, we knew that we were doing something wrong so we had to get educated so while while we didn't you know really make any huge mistakes um we you know the structure was incorrect we wasn't leveraging properly the you know the products we were on were incorrect we've got equity within properties that we hadn't refinanced and things like that so it was about understanding how to do it professionally i suppose um so um and that's that's why we got educated because we'd been doing it for many years and done for what most people looking in would say you know you you owned you know 15 plus properties at at that point so um you know but it it wasn't we wasn't making any money out of those properties so we were we were basically just collecting properties (laughs) (laughs) and we kept looking and thinking well people are making money out of properties and why aren't we so it was uh, it was really filling in those gaps and understanding the key elements leverage other people's time other people's money being creative raising angel finance you know lease options rent to rent and all things like that so it was about understanding the different types of strategies how to do it properly and legally um because 
I'm one of those people that just won't touch something unless I know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> um, so that's that's how you know that's how we kind of got started. And uh, as soon as we understood, you know, the concept and um, the different strategies that we could tap into, and all of the creative ways that we could do that, um, we we never looked back. Basically. Okay. Yeah. So, so you basically obviously looking to maximize the portfolio and you went to America, started learning all of these strategies. Um, and came back here, did it all again. Right. Okay. <laughs> it, was, well, it, got, it got you started, right? <laughs> absolutely. It was, it was just all about the different terminologies and yeah. vehicles and, uh, and obviously legislation and all things like that was different, but the concept is the same. So, um, yeah, it was just about obviously applying the knowledge, um, filling the gaps and, and putting, putting a plan in place and taking action, basically. But um, it must have been like a bit of an eye opener because, you know, having gone from this traditional route of, of saving for deposits and, and a kind of fairly slow route to suddenly go into this new world of, as you were rattling off all those uh, different strategies, uh, now it's, um, you know, that there's just so much opportunity there that you didn't know before. So, um, and I think a lot of the time people get stuck with specific strategies because there's so many. So it's which one should they start with? Um, and you've mentioned there about HMOs and probably I imagine for the cash flow. But you've also talked about reducing your hours and obviously, you know, Paul being ill. So um, the HMOs seems like quite a uh, hands on, you know, it's, it's a bit is a bit more a bit more to it than just your single buy to lets so I guess why that strategy and um you know did you know all of the strategies before you picked that one yeah so we went through um so the training that we had went through all of the different strategies right. and as cash flow was was our driving factor we need to needed to replace income fairly quickly um, because of course we've got this portfolio um my our home and and obviously um we lost like 130,000 pounds income overnight. And so it, it, it was, um, and of course, Paul was still ill as well. And, you know, there was numerous hospital visits, operations and all things like that. So it, it was, um, the driving factor was cash flow. We had to have cash flow. So while HMOs did, you know, appear, there's a lot more legislation, there's more tenants to manage, um, you know, the refurbs and things like that are bigger. Um, everything was kind of a little bit more complicated with HMOs um, and I self-managed in the beginning as well <laughs> which was a big mistake <laughs> but <laughs> you don't know until you, yeah. you, you, you experience it do you and um, so it, the reason we chose HMOs was because you know we could um, we could still buy below market value we could add value for the appreciation so we've got equity within that asset as well refinance but also have good level of income so, so you've you, that's the quickest route is you sort of fast tracking that cash yeah, flow that was the idea get yeah. to the cash flow kind of figure replace the income and then start looking at the portfolio and moving into you know other strategies and and that that is really what what we did so so how quickly did it um, did this happen then? So from, let's say you went to your first seminar and, and your education program to actually getting that HMO, how quickly did you manage to get that cash flow coming in? Um, so, um, well, I went, um, 
unbelievably crazy. So we did uh, HMOs um, on uh, buy and own. Um, so uh, we did it that way, utilizing aging investors as well and our credit cards at the time because it was interest free for 18 months in back in those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were using, we print all of the refurbishments on the credit cards. Absolutely. Investors money um, uh, to help with that, with the deposits and things like that. And we, we were still good for lending. So um, we could st still show a high level of income as well so um the first five or six properties uh hmo properties and i consider those as you know really my first investment so although i'd invested previously and held quite a, a large buy to let portfolio i don't consider them as the beginning because i almost kind of just purchased property and i don't the next stage <laughs> yeah the next stage properly professionally i suppose um uh, so, so yeah, we 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 kind of uh, went went down that route. Um, we did rent to rent alongside buying and uh, you know doing the mark force and appreciation refinancing, um, and uh, we replaced our income within two years. So, um, uh, uh, and yeah, so we were we were fine to both give up our job within twelve months as well. So. Um, we we did it fairly quickly um but you mentioned before about uh, how you enjoyed your job so uh did you enjoy managing the tenants more than the day job no, no, <laughs> what no. happened there <laughs> oh, one of the biggest mistakes i made so in the beginning of course because money was a, a you know a, a factor as well and we had to stay on target on budget and we had multiple projects going on at the same time so cash flow was you know tight um, I had to do a lot of the work myself and uh, so I not only was I self-managing I was filling skips I was stripping wallpaper mm -hmm. I was I was project managing as well so wow. mm -hmm. I was uh, just hiring labor and uh, sourcing all the materials myself which you know looking back now was a huge huge mistake um, uh, because while I was able to keep the projects on budgets and things like that if you look at the re return on my time yeah. I, you know I was paid peanuts basically for yeah. that and uh, and it affected me as well and of course creating the new opportunities so um it, it it's one of the biggest mistakes i made was being far too uh, hands on deck rather than being yeah. the captain of my ship as such um so but it did come out of necessity um uh, there was many times where i'd be filling skips and going and collecting materials or pop into ikea with my dodge filling the yeah. back of wardrobes putting them up and <laughs> it was uh yeah I, uh I I don't think I slept for 10 years basically oh, yeah. <laughs> um so I I'm a bit of a doer so I like to get my hands dirty I really miss that side of it as well because of course now I don't do anything like that anymore I I, I really am just the captain of my ship and I make the decisions but I do miss that hands-on kind of side because uh it, it was nice to roll your sleeves up on a, on a Saturday well, morning. I guess now you've got the choice to do it. And, you know, back then it was, as you say, more out of necessity nice. and not really understanding that there's an opportunity cost there. Um, so going back in hindsight, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Because, you know, there's at the beginning some people don't have the confidence to start employing, you know, the project managers and all that because they're not sure about the cash flow and how much that will extend to kind of pay all of these tradespeople or the consultants. So um, would you have still, you know, going back, would you have done things differently from the right from the beginning or? Well, if we talk about right 
from the beginning of when I was educated correctly. Um, I, I would do things differently. I think um, I, I'm a mentor now. And one of the things I always say is, you know, you have to focus on the things that you enjoy and your strengths and stripping wallpapers and, uh, and uh, filling skips and driving miles to pick up materials was not my strengths. Negotiation is one of the things that I enjoy most. I love the thrill of the chase and I'm very, very good at negotiation and um, and I love it and um, so that is what I should have been focusing on uh, creating you know those opportunities and getting the next deal not working in the deals myself so growing the business rather than working in it so that's one of the things I do say so when we're when I you know when I do have people that are coming through training we always look at making sure that the deal absorbs all of those additional costs that they would have to outsource and they focus on their strengths um, that way then they enjoy what they are doing more and they get they're much more productive their team's more productive the the projects run more smoothly um uh, so we look at I, I you know we always look at outsourcing everything really now and so although I love project management as well um, I still outsource it, although I'll oversee the project and I'll be kind of involved and go and check on site and things like that. I'm not, you know, I'm not the project manager, for example. Yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I did make, um, although it gave me a really good grasp of what everybody's role was and, you know, what they do for the fees that we pay as well, management for example, I have a huge amount of respect for, and uh, I wouldn't, I would never ever self-manage ever again. Um, uh, and uh, uh, you know, uh, I think a lot of people overlook that side of it, don't they? Because they well, kind of see it as the management company collects the rent and 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 that's and finds the tenants. But actually, especially in the HMO world, there's so much more involved and. Uh, and, and I've experienced that firsthand, you know, I, I pretty much in the beginning um, uh, left a job and created a job for myself, which is not what, you know, majority of the people are in this industry to do, certainly wasn't what I was in the industry to do no. either. Um, it was all supposed to be about freedom of time. It was less about money and, uh, and I was working harder than I ever had. Um, so, um, I, I think the, the things I would do differently would be value my time more and uh, outsource as much as I possibly could. Uh, the deals I was doing because I was negotiating um, such large discounts on the purchase um, and um, the research that I do is, I'm, I'm a research freak, I love research. I research the whole of the UK, chose different areas to invest in and, uh, and, and grew my portfolio knowing exactly you know, what I'd be buying at, what I'd be refinancing at and how much revenue that would create. Um, so I spent a lot of time on all of that and, uh, and those are my strengths. That is what I should and do now focus on. <laughs> But, you know, you say it's, you know, it's not what people get into property for is to create the other job, but it is a lot. It is what a lot of people um, end up doing. They end up going through this stage of self-managing and uh, in doing everything themselves. Uh, I think partly because people get into property learning about property and not about business. Yes. And, and I think that is the difference. And when you are coaching people, I'm sure it's, you know, it's much easier to see once you've been through that stage and you've felt the pain of it and you've worked out what the answer is and you're looking back. Um, but what do you say to people who are in the thick of it and they are in this, I think there's a lag time 
where um, the cash, there isn't enough cash coming in, in their minds to afford to find somebody to replace them. So, you know, do you sort of advise people work with investors to kind of bring that in? And as you say, you know, make sure the deal's got enough margin yeah. Um, because, yeah, the, I suppose in people's heads, the quicker I get this done, the more cash is coming in, but they haven't got another avenue, another stream of income generating tasks that was going to replace that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's especially if you, you know, you're a control freak, which many of us are. Yeah. Let's face it, this industry, we're, we're all kind of a little bit of control freak in our personality, I think. Maybe that's one of the traits you have to have to be a successful product. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, and, you know, and I, I'm quite a frugal person as well. You yes. know, um, uh, so, paying other people or relying on other people was one of the hardest things that I had to do. So I see it a lot, a lot of people coming through. I had a mentorship call yesterday, a pre-mentorship call um, in preparation for a mentorship um, that's upcoming. And uh, she wanted to self-manage. And uh, I can obviously leverage that and say to them, look, I was in this position. And at the end of the day, you have to make sure that the deal absorbs those costs. And so, we, we focus on it at the beginning now, so when we can understand what those costs are before we even make an offer to buy, um, and we can calculate what we should be buying at to absorb all of those costs as well. So we look at all of that upfront um, with anybody that's coming through. We recommend that people don't self-manage, um, understand the management side of it. So yeah. as part of our training, we are actually business and property um, uh, education. Um, and the reason behind that is because of course I was missing the business element. Um, and uh, and it, was, it was working in the business constantly and you do get into that cycle where you find it difficult then to step away or you know, is someone else going to do it as good as you? Or if you come off this, how is that going to affect that project or that project? Um, so it, it is a vicious cycle. It's better to start as you mean to go on. Mm. And um, and ultimately, you've got to be the captain of your ship, I, I would say, rather than, you know, uh, all hands on deck. Um, so that's very much what, what we focus on with our uh, mentees that are coming through we make sure that they understand uh, the the business they're stepping into but how to systemize that business as much as possible which allows them to grow and scale to whatever it is they're looking to achieve um, so what do they what what do those people need to focus on if they're not doing the self-management what do they spend their time doing what are the most effective or important well, I think I think the most effective you can think you can do is grow your portfolio and um, so really what you should be focusing on is working with sourcing agents or sourcing those opportunities yourself creating direct vendor you know being the go-to person in your area and um, so you've got deals coming to you you have a constant flow of deals coming to you and you negotiate those deals you qualify them, make sure they stack up from a financial point of view, but also do the research and make sure you understand who your competition is, monitor your portfolio as well, because of course things change and you have to adopt and change with it. So that is a full-time job in itself, you know? Um, so I would say that that is what you should be focusing on, um, making sure that the business is continuing to grow and actually you're protecting the assets that you've already created and you're not leaving it and uh, 
forgetting about it because that's not I know a lot of people think you can just set it up and leave it you can't things change like <laughs> good know. old passive income <laughs> no, it's not passive, is it? no. Yeah. I mean property is is as passive I suppose as it kind of can come with any sort of uh, business like this but it's not passive it's That's never truly true. passive you are you know you are still in control and you still have to make the decision and the book still falls at your feet you know you still have to um you know pull pull the trigger at the end of the day I suppose and um, so while it while it's sold as passive income it's not passive income you are going to have to be involved in the business um and uh, again this is you know the quality kind of process we have people come through are you realistically understanding how much time you are going to have to put into this business to grow this business and uh, and money you know and um, so it, it, it's about both equally oh, especially at the beginning I think that you know as you said there's different stages so you know at the beginning the setup is always more time intensive and then afterwards it becomes the reoccurring income with some you know, management and, uh, you know, growing the business as well. So, well, let's just fast forward then. So you, uh, you know, you've done the education, you get the HMOs, do a bit of rent to rent. Uh, you've got the cash coming in to replace the jobs and you leave your, um, your employment. You know, where are you kind of up to today? Because, you know, we mentioned in the bio about 86 million pound site. Um, how has that jump happened? And uh, Quite quickly, actually. (laughs) No, um, so I I mean, for the last um, 12 years or so, we've been doing HMOs and we moved from HMOs into serviced accommodation. We moved from serviced accommodation into commercial, from commercial to commercial to residential and then development. So there's been a slow kind of, um, it kind of fast when you look back at it because it's all all happened very quickly, you know, 10, 15 years just goes by in the, uh, you know, the click of a a button really, doesn't it? and the greys really stopped <laughs> but um uh, it, it it's all happened a lot quicker than I anticipated and I never really had the goal of you know doing 86 million pound sites and that that is by far the biggest you know we're jumping from 2 million to 86 so that's a, a huge uh, project um and uh you know but the majority the average project size that we do is anywhere from around 500,000 to 2 million and so I don't do 86 million pound sites well, this was okay fun. but let's dig <laughs> into that tell us about this 86 million pounds site. Um, so what is, what is it how did you find it's it it's a shopping center um right. so it came to me through the local um council uh there was a development project that fell out um uh and part of the land is owned um by the developer and the other part of the land is owned by the council so there was a fallout between them it then went out to kind of tender and and uh and it's more about the best kind of uh project that works for that that area and so I haven't won it yet um so (laughs) we'll see okay (laughs) the theme that we've gone for is interaction um and um it will be a mixed use site so there'll be restaurants uh ice skating rink um uh you know shops uh food hall um uh uh, an internal events uh arena so it's kind of interaction is the theme and um yeah it's it's uh, well, it sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it's just um, 
we've gone out to, of course, the local uh, public and uh, what he wants in that area. We've spoken to regeneration, we've spoken to planning. We have a great relationship. So they actually occupy the top floor of my, my building, okay. one of my buildings, uh, the one that I'm in now. Um, so um, we we kind of know firsthand what, what's going on. Um, we've been working with this council for 10 years plus as well. So um, they know of us. We've done lots of projects with them. They often bring buildings to me um, and I often work with regeneration as well so uh, it's all about those relationships that's what you know that's where how these opportunities come about um, absolutely that, that is by far the biggest the other yeah. projects that I'm working on is a museum that we are turning turning into wow. a 20 room hotel wow. uh, a restaurant uh, a frozen yogurt shop and a, a bar Wow. Um, and then the other one we're working on is a huge uh, event. So, well, it's mixed use currently. We've got car parking, a uh, huge car park just under an acre. Um, and um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that yet. <laughs> but <You know? laughs> um, that, that's the other one we're working on. Oh, right. and a bank. Um, so we're working on a bank currently. I think I was on one oh. of you, popped on one of your other podcasts recently, and you were talking about banks. And uh, yeah, we're doing a bank, and that is 11 apartments, um, which will just be let out to new as my tenants. Wow. So that's quite a jump, uh, you know, for for a lot of people who just kind of stay in that HMO zone um, or maybe branch out into a bit of development, but actually to go to like such huge sites and uh, you're not just huge as in the space, but, you know, the, um, the cash involved. So in terms of the, you know, making that leap, how do you deal with the mindset of, you know, if if something goes wrong in your standard buy to let, you know, it's not going to bankrupt you. Um, and, you know, worst case, if something happens, you can recover 86 million pounds. Like <laughs> that is just it's mind boggling for most people. And, you know, the implications of things, if things go wrong, how do you kind of deal with that? Well, it, I mean, like I said, I haven't just jumped into an 86 million pound site. There's been a slow kind of increase. Yeah. The numbers have slightly, you know, <laughs> grown as, as we've got bigger. Um, so um, I wouldn't recommend anybody just jumping into No, it. no. <laughs> and even for me, 80, you know, 86 million is, is a huge, huge project. Um, and the biggest one, um, uh, you know, uh, I will have ever done as well. So um, it, you will never lose that kind of fear, I don't think. Um, but that's all part of it, isn't it, I suppose. Uh, higher risk comes higher reward. Um, all you can do is break it down the same way as you would a standard smaller site and um, you know, make sure you've got good solid numbers, you've got good contingencies in place, you've got a good solid team that you're used to working with, um, you know, allow your projects extra time, things like that. Um, so you can just create as much buffer as you possibly can. Um, uh, be happy with the bottom line. Uh, forecast, of course, changes as well. Um, so look at, you know, worst case scenario um, in the middle, what, what are we like? What At what point are we breaking it? You know, so we, we do all of that kind of planning backwards as well. We, um, you know, down to interest rates increasing and things like that. So we Stress test everything, um, over stress test everything. But um, I think that's why, you know, there may be a lot of deals that I walk away from that perhaps would work. But 
Um, the way we stress test everything can minimize our risk as much as we possibly can. We're fully informed of the situation we're walking into. We know at what trigger points, what profit we're going to be making. And uh, it's a very, very well thought out, um, long drawn plan. <laughs> it's not just yeah. eight or oh, eight to six million. You know, yeah. just, Let's it, give it a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a huge, huge project. Um, yeah. you know, conversation has been ongoing now for at least six months, maybe even a little bit more. And uh, and I suspect before we even get started and, and everything approved, another six months as well. So we're not talking about in and out within yeah. 12 months or anything like that, which is a, a huge leap from, from my first uh, my first HMO, which was like £160,000 <laughs> yeah. with a total budget because I, I haven't got the cash, a total budget of 250 So, um, you know, I would have been quite happy just staying there, um, but... I I, uh, I I love property genuinely, and and while you don't have to love it to be successful at it, I think if you love something, you kind of you want to do new things and you want to challenge yourself. Um, but there's no limit, it. right? That's the exciting thing about it. There's no yeah. limit to what you can do, and and there's um, always something new you can learn as well. Yeah, it's just yeah. so, which you know, it kind of keeps me on my toes. Every project I do, I learn something new. Every project I do, I grow even further. Um, and um, you know, I make more mistakes. You know, make mis- I still make mistakes. Of course. Do, of you course. Know? Um, I absolutely love. Um, I love everything about property. I love the industry we are in. And I, I do miss, you know, the beginning as well. Um, so I miss that kind of hustle and bustle. And uh, and that's one of the reasons I love mentoring because yeah. I get to be at the beginning and I get that, you know, excitement and fear of the first deal and things like that. And uh, I don't really get that anymore. But um, uh, I, I I get that a lot from my um, uh, mentees and, uh, and I, I love that side of it as well. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that I want to start from the beginning. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't think I don't you earned your stripes so. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, if you'd have asked me, um, you know, what, was I expecting to do deals like I am yeah. today? The answer would have been no, and that wasn't really um, the driving force for me. I, I it was more about time. Um, so, um, but we needed money to create the time, and and that was kind of you know. Um, what it was about and myself and my husband you know we get to spend um all the time together he's he's downstairs now we work together we play together um we're together 24 hours a day <laughs> and you know this is my soulmate who I met when I was 16 years old so Aww. um that's all we ever really wanted to create and of course he still has his challenges from a health point of view as well which of course um we're able to handle much better yes, as the result yeah. of just having this kind of security freedom of time so mm-hmm. I work very hard and I love what I do and I keep myself busy but I have that choice and I think yes. that's all yeah. I ever wanted to create the choice to be able to say okay let's just take three months off and yeah. the business still grow without you know being negatively impacted but I don't have to be here I've almost made myself indispensable I suppose (laughs) that's the the joy of it isn't it you get to that certain point where you've replaced your income and you have that kind of comfort and the safety net as you as you call it there so um, and then you have got the capacity the headspace to experiment with new deals and explore how far you can go in it as as well and that's you know that's where the opportunities open up because you just 
keep keep on pushing yourself uh, keep on learning and growing and then the opportunities come in to match the level that you're at so um but you know I'm just I'm conscious of time but I'd like to hear a bit more about you know how you've ended up on Sky TV and you know uh, how does that fit into the journey (laughs) well again I you know if you'd have asked me if I would do things like that um uh I it's not something that I ever really saw myself doing but the opportunity presented itself I I'm one of those people that will try before I make a decision because I, I you know, I, I'm very open to new things, but um, I have to love what I'm doing. Otherwise I'm, I lose interest very quickly, <laughs> which is, you know, property is the one thing that I've never lost interest in. Everything, I'm a qualified photographer and everything, I've done um, loads of different qualifications, but property is the only industry that really keeps me on my toes keeps me constantly interested always learning something new every project is different and uh and i i love the i love the people as well the people um but um i'm not sure whether that kind of answers your question does it (laughs) how what's the how did you uh what is your involvement in the property channel and yeah so um i'm one of the uh experts on property uh question time um i've been on property matters as well there's a few others that are coming up as well that i'll be part of um so yeah i i uh i was really super nervous the first time I went in. I got on with the guys really well in the studio um, uh, and it, it just became very natural to, to, to do and uh, it's adding value. Um, I, I then started having people reach out to me on Instagram and things like that saying, oh, we watched your show. And um, that was really, really nice that we, you know, that people get free information that's out there as well. Um, and uh, it's, they're just a great group of people to be part of and I get to meet so many phenomenal um, you know developers and, and experts within the industry overall through that show and uh, a really good friend of mine is John Howard as well who, who of course is one of the experts on the panel um, and uh, among many others um, but it, again it's just connecting with like-minded people and uh, if the people are right everything else kind of falls into place so I got hooked and uh, continued to kind of <laughs> turn up when they sent me inv- invitations through yeah. and uh, I'm actually there this Thursday as well recording again um, for uh, the next episodes but I'm um, really really enjoying that at this moment in time and uh, yeah uh, it's uh, it's fun in the studio so. yeah I bet <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh it sounds like a fantastic opportunity and just really interesting to see your journey and how you've essentially created all of these opportunities yourself you know a lot of people kind of sit back and think oh well property I'm not sure I'm not I don't know where to start I don't know how to do it but you know you're an example of just how you know you put a stake in the ground you do your education you learn how to do it properly and it's not going to be perfect you're not going to get everything right from the beginning but you know you just do enough of the right things and you keep you know on going on consistently and then you know look where you've ended up so it's a really inspiring story so uh you know thank you for sharing and where can people find out more about where you know what you're up to and can you just remind us what the uh, channel is how how can people tune into that yeah so um 
if anybody wants to find out what we do from a mentoring point of view and the training that we deliver, uh, just pop along to our website. So it's yourfreedomempire.co.uk. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel as well. We put lots of free stuff out there also. Um, so um, you can uh, hook into that and, uh, and knock yourself out. There's about, I think there's about, oh, I don't know how many videos are on there at the moment, but there's lots of stuff on there. Um, uh, we get, uh, yeah, so if, if you, of course, you wanted to find out more about us, you can go down that route. Fantastic. Well, we'll put the link in the show notes to that and, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to go and check you out and see what's, uh, what it's all about. So thank you so much for your time today, Hayley. Uh, it's been great. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks, everybody. If you are not yet a subscriber to the magazine, then please click the link in the show notes for your free 30 day trial. And we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks. Bye bye.